0: Section 12 of Bede's Ecclesiastical History of England. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by S. T. Macduff. The Ecclesiastical History of England by the Venerable Bede. Translated by A. M. Seller. Book 3. Chapter 1. HOW KING EDWIN'S NEXT SUCCESSORS LOST BOTH THE FAITH OF THEIR NATION AND THE KINGDOM, BUT THE MOST CHRISTIAN KING OSWALD retrieved BOTH. 633 A.D. Edwin, being slain in battle, the kingdom of the Diary, to which province his family belonged and where he first began to reign, passed to Osric, the son of his uncle Elfric, who, through the preaching of Paulinus, had also received the mysteries of the faith but the kingdom of the bernetians for into these two provinces the nations of the northumbrians was formerly divided passed to Ianfrid, the son of ethelfrid who derived his origin from the royal family of that province for all the time that edwin reigned the sons of the aforesaid ethelfrid who had reigned before him with many of the younger nobility lived in banishment among the scots or picts and were there instructed according to the doctrine of the scots and were renewed with the grace of baptism Upon the death of the king, their enemy, they were allowed to return home, and the aforesaid Ianfrid, as the eldest of them, became the king of the Bernicians. Both those kings, as soon as they obtained the government of their earthly kingdoms, abjured and betrayed the mysteries of the heavenly kingdom to which they had been admitted, and again delivered themselves up to defilement and perdition through the abominations of their former idolatry. But soon after, the king of the Britons, Cadewalla, the unrighteous instrument of rightful vengeance, slew them both. First, in the following summer, he put Osric to death, for, being rashly besieged by him in the municipal town, he sallied out on a sudden with all his forces, took him by surprise, and destroyed him and all his army. Then, when he had occupied the provinces of the Northumbrians for a whole year, not ruling them like a victorious king, but ravaging them like a furious tyrant, he at length put an end to ianfrid in like manner when he unadvisedly came to him with only twelve chosen soldiers to sue for peace to this day that year is looked upon as ill-omened and hateful to all good men as well on account of the apostasy of the english kings who had renounced the mysteries of the faith as of the outrageous tyranny of the british king Hence it has been generally agreed, in reckoning the dates of the kings, to abolish the memory of those faithless monarchs, and to assign that year to the reign of the following king, Oswald, a man beloved of God. This king, after the death of his brother, Ianfred, advanced with an army, small indeed in number, but strengthened with the faith of Christ, and the impious commander of the Britons, in spite of his vast forces, which he boasted nothing could withstand, was slain at a place called, in the English tongue... Dennis berna that is the brook of Dennis. chapter two how among innumerable other miracles of healing wrought by the wood of the cross which king oswald being ready to engage against the barbarians erected a certain man had his injured arm healed six thirty four a d The place is shown to this day and held in much veneration, where Oswald, being about to engage in this battle, erected the symbol of the holy cross, and knelt down and prayed to God that he would send help from heaven to his worshippers in their sore need. Then we are told that the cross, being made in haste, and the hole dug in which it was to be set up, the king himself, in the ardor of his faith, laid hold of it and held it upright with both his hands, till the earth was heaped up by the soldiers and it was fixed thereupon uplifting his voice he cried to his whole army let us all kneel and together beseech the true and living god almighty in his mercy to defend us from the proud and cruel enemy for he knows that we have undertaken a just war for the safety of our nation all did as he had commanded and accordingly advancing towards the enemy with the first dawn of day they obtained the victory as their faith deserved in the place where they prayed very many miracles of healing are known to have been wrought as a token and memorial of the king's faith for even to this day many are wont to cut off small splinters from the wood of the holy cross and put them into water which they give to sick men or cattle to drink or they sprinkle them therewith and these are presently restored to health the place is called in the english tongue Heffenfelth, or the heavenly field which name it undoubtedly received of old as a presage of what was afterwards to happen, denoting that the heavenly trophy was to be erected, the heavenly victory begun, and heavenly miracles shone forth to this day. The places near the wall in the north which the Romans formerly drew across the whole of Britain, from sea to sea, to restrain the onslaught of the barbarous nations, as has been said before hither also the brothers of the church of Hagostald, which is not far distant long ago made it their custom to resort every year on the day before that on which king oswald was afterwards slain to keep vigils there for the health of his soul and having sung many psalms of praise to offer for him in the morning the sacrifice of the holy oblation and since that good custom has spread they have lately built a church there which has attached additional sanctity and honour in the eyes of all men to that place and this with good reason for it appears that there was no symbol of the christian faith no church no altar erected throughout all the nation of the Bernicians before that new leader in war prompted by the zeal of his faith set up the standard of the cross as he was going to give battle to this barbarous enemy nor is it foreign to our purpose to relate one of the many miracles that have been wrought at this cross one of the brothers of the same church of Hagelstald whose name is Bothelm, and who is still living, a few years ago, walking carelessly on the ice at night, suddenly fell and broke his arm. He was soon tormented with the most grievous pain in the broken part, so that he could not lift his arm to his mouth for the anguish. Hearing one morning that one of the brothers designed to go up to the place of the Holy Cross, he desired him on his return to bring him a piece of that sacred wood, saying he believed that with the mercy of God he might thereby be healed the brother did as he was desired and returning in the evening when the brothers were sitting at table gave him some of the old moss which grew on the surface of the wood as he sat at table having no place to bestow the gift which was brought him he put it into his bosom and forgetting when he went to bed to put it away left it in his bosom Awakening in the middle of the night, he felt something cold lying by his side, and putting his hand upon it to feel what it was, he found his arm and hand as sound as if he had never felt any such pain. Chapter three. How the same King Oswald, asking a bishop of the Scottish nation, had aidan sent him, and granted him an episcopal see in the isle of Lindisfarne. Six thirty five A.D the same oswald as soon as he ascended the throne being desirous that all the nations under his rule should be endued with the grace of the christian faith whereof he had found happy experience in vanquishing the barbarians sent to the elders of the scots among whom himself and his followers when in banishment had received the sacrament of baptism desiring that they would send him a bishop by whose instruction and ministry the english nation which he governed might learn the privileges and receive the sacraments of the faith of our lord nor were they slow in granting his request for they sent him bishop aden a man of singular gentleness piety and moderation having a zeal of god but not fully according to knowledge for he was wont to keep easter sunday according to the custom of his country which we have before so often mentioned from the fourteenth to the twentieth of the moon the northern province of the scots and all the nations of the Picts, at that time still celebrating easter after that manner and believing that in this observance they followed the writings of the holy and praiseworthy father anatolius whether this be true every instructed person can easily judge but the scots which dwell in the south of ireland had long since by the admonition of the bishop of the apostolic see learned to observe easter according to the canonical custom on the arrival of the bishop the king appointed him his episcopal see in the island of lindisfarne as he desired which place as the tide ebbs and flows is twice a day enclosed by the waves of the sea like an island and again twice when the beach is left dry becomes contiguous with the land The king also humbly and willingly in all things, giving ear to his admonitions, industriously applied himself to build up and extend the Church of Christ in his kingdom, wherein, when the bishop, who was not perfectly skilled in the English tongue, preached the gospel, it was a fair sight to see the king himself interpreting the word of God to his eldermen and thanes, for he had thoroughly learned the language of the Scots during his long punishment from that time many came daily into britain from the country of the scots and with great devotion preached the word to those provinces of the english over which king oswald reigned and those among them that had received priests orders administered the grace of baptism to the believers churches were built in divers places the people joyfully flocked together to hear the word lands and other property were given of the king's bounty to found monasteries English children, as well as their elders, were instructed by their Scottish teachers in study and the observance of monastic discipline, for most of those who came to preach were monks. Bishop Adam was himself a monk, having been sent out from the island called He, whereof the monastery was for a long time the chief of almost all those of the northern Scots and all those of the Picts, and had the direction of their people.' that island belongs to britain being divided from it by a small arm of the sea but had been long since given by the picts who inhabit those parts of britain to the scottish monks because they had received the faith of christ through their preaching chapter four when the nation of the picts received the faith of christ 565 A.D. in the year of our lord 565 when justin the younger the successor of justinian obtained the government of the roman empire there came into britain from ireland a famous priest and abbot marked as a monk by habit and manner of life whose name was columba to preach the word of god to the provinces of the northern picts who are separated from the southern parts belonging to that nation by steep and rugged mountains for the southern picts who dwell on this side of those mountains had it is said long before forsaken the errors of idolatry and received the true faith by the preaching of bishop ninius a most reverend and holy man of the British nation, who had been regularly instructed at Rome in the faith and mysteries of the truth, whose episcopal seed, named after St. Martin the bishop, and famous for a church dedicated to him, wherein Ninius himself and many other saints rest in the body, is now in the possession of the English nation. The place belongs to the province of the Bernetians, and is commonly called the White House, because he there built a church of stone, which was not usual among the Britons. Columba came into Britain in the ninth year of the reign of Bridius, who was the son of Milochan, and the powerful king of the Pictish nation, and he converted that nation to the faith of Christ by his preaching and example. Wherefore he also received of them the gift of the aforesaid island whereon to found a monastery. It is not a large island, but contains about five families, according to the English computation. His successors hold it to this day. He was also buried therein, having died at the age of seventy-seven, about thirty-two years after he came into Britain to preach. Before he crossed over into Britain, he had built a famous monastery in Ireland which, from the great number of oaks, is in the Scottish tongue called Dirmach, the field of oaks. From both these monasteries many others had their beginning through his disciples, both in Britain and Ireland, but the island monastery where his body lies has the preeminence among them all that island has for its ruler an abbot who is a priest to whose jurisdiction all the province even the bishops contrary to the usual method are bound to be subject according to the example of their first teacher who was not a bishop but a priest and a monk of whose life and discourses some records are said to be preserved by his disciples but whatsoever he was himself this we know for certain concerning him that he left successors renowned for their continence their love of god and observance of monastic rules It is true they employed doubtful cycles in fixing the time of the great festival, as having none to bring them the synodal decrees for the observance of Easter, by reason of their being so far away from the rest of the world, but they earnestly practiced such works of piety and chastity as they could learn from the prophets, the gospels, and the apostolic writings. This manner of keeping Easter continued among them no little time, to wit, for the space of a hundred and fifty years, till the year of our Lord 715. But then the most reverend and holy father and priest, Egbert, of the English nation, who had long lived in banishment in Ireland for the sake of Christ, and was most learned in the scriptures and renowned for long perfection of life, came among them, corrected their error, and led them to observe the true and canonical day of Easter, which, nevertheless, they did not always keep on the fourteenth of the moon with the Jews, as some imagined, but on Sunday, although not in the proper week. FOR AS CHRISTIANS THEY KNEW THAT THE RESURRECTION OF OUR LORD, WHICH HAPPENED ON THE FIRST DAY OF THE WEEK, WAS ALWAYS TO BE CELEBRATED ON THE FIRST DAY OF THE WEEK. BUT BEING RUDE AND BARBAROUS, THEY HAD NOT LEARNED WHEN THAT SAME FIRST DAY AFTER THE SABBATH, WHICH IS NOW CALLED THE LORD'S DAY, SHOULD COME. BUT BECAUSE THEY HAD NOT FAILED IN THE GRACE OF FERVENT CHARITY, THEY WERE ACCOUNTED WORTHY TO RECEIVE THE FULL KNOWLEDGE OF THIS MATTER ALSO, ACCORDING TO THE PROMISE OF THE APOSTLE. AND IF IN ANYTHING YE BE OTHERWISE MINDED, GOD SHALL REVEAL EVEN THIS UNTO YOU, OF WHICH WE SHALL SPEAK MORE FULLY HEREAFTER IN ITS PROPER PLACE. CHAPTER five OF THE LIFE OF BISHOP AIDAN, 635 A.D. FROM THIS ISLAND THEN, AND THE FRATERNITY OF THESE MONKS, AIDAN WAS SENT TO INSTRUCT THE ENGLISH NATION IN CHRIST, HAVING RECEIVED THE DIGNITY OF A BISHOP. AT THAT TIME, SEGINI, ABBOT, AND PRIEST, PRESIDED OVER THAT MONASTERY. Among other lessons in holy living, Aidan left the clergy a most salutary example of abstinence and continence. It was the highest commendation of his doctrine with all men that he taught nothing that he did not practice in his life among his brethren. For he neither sought nor loved anything of this world, but delighted in distributing immediately among the poor whom he met whatsoever was given him by the kings or rich men of the world. He was wont to traverse both town and country on foot, never on horseback unless compelled by some urgent necessity to the end that as he went he might turn aside to any whomsoever he saw whether rich or poor and call upon them if infidels to receive the mystery of the faith or if they were believers strengthen them in the faith and stir them up by words and actions to giving of alms and the performance of good works His course of life was so different from the slothfulness of our times, that all those who bore him company, whether they were tonsured or laymen, had to study, either reading the scriptures or learning psalms. This was the daily employment of himself, and all that were with him, wheresoever they went. And if it happened, which was but seldom, that he was invited to the king's table, he went with one or two clerks, and having taken a little food, made haste to be gone, either to read with his brethren or to pray. At that time many religious men and women, led by his example, adopted the custom of prolonging their fast on Wednesdays and Fridays till the ninth hour, throughout the year, except during the fifty days after Easter. Never through fear or respect of persons did he keep silence with regard to the sins of the rich, but was wont to correct them with a severe rebuke. He never gave money to the powerful men of the world, but only food, if he happened to entertain them and on the contrary whatsoever gifts of money he received from the rich he either distributed as has been said for the use of the poor or bestowing and ransoming such as had been wrongfully sold for slaves moreover he afterwards made many of those he had ransomed his disciples and after having taught and instructed them advanced them to priests orders it is said that when king oswald had asked a bishop of the scots to administer the word of faith to him in his nation there was first sent to him another man of more harsh disposition who after preaching for some time to the english and meeting with no success not being gladly heard by the people returned home and in an assembly of the elders reported that he had not been able to do any good by his teaching to the nation to whom he had been sent because they were intractable men and of a stubborn and barbarous disposition they then it is said held a council and seriously debated what was to be done being desirous that the nation should obtain the salvation it demanded but grieving that they had not received the preacher sent to them then said adan who was also present in the council to the priest in question Methinks, brother, that you were more severe to your unlearned hearers than you ought to have been, and did not at first, conformably to the apostolic rule, give them the milk of more easy doctrine, till being by degrees nourished with the word of God, they should be capable of receiving that which is more perfect, and of performing the higher precepts of God. Having heard these words, all present turned their attention to him, and began diligently to weigh what he had said and they decided that he was worthy to be made a bishop, and that he was the man who ought to be sent to instruct the unbelieving and unlearned, since he was found to be endued preeminently with the grace of discretion, which is the mother of the virtues. So they ordained him and sent him forth to preach, and, as time went on, his other virtues became apparent, as well as that temperate discretion which had marked him at first. CHAPTER six OF KING Oswald's WONDERFUL PIETY AND RELIGION to A.D. King Oswald, with the English nation which he governed, being instructed by the teachings of this bishop, not only learned to hope for a heavenly kingdom unknown to his fathers, but also obtained of the one God who made heaven and earth a greater earthly kingdom than any of his ancestors. In brief, he brought under his dominion all the nations and provinces of Britain, which are divided into four languages to wit those of the britons the picts the scots and the english though raised to that height of regal power wonderful to relate he was always humble kind and generous to the poor and to strangers to give one instance it is told that when he was once sitting at dinner on the holy day of easter with the aforesaid bishop and a silver dish full of royal dainties was set before him, and they were just about to put forth their hands to bless the bread, the servant, whom he had appointed to relieve the needy, came in on a sudden, and told the king that a great multitude of poor folk from all parts was sitting in the street begging alms of the king. He immediately ordered that the meat set before him to be carried to the poor, and the dish to be broken in pieces and divided among them at which sight the bishop who had sat by him greatly rejoicing at such an act of piety clasped his right hand and said may this hand never decay this fell out according to his prayer for his hands with the arms being cut off from his body when he was slain in battle remain uncorrupted to this day and are kept in a silver shrine as revered relics in st peter's church in the royal city which has taken its name from beba one of its former queens through this king's exertions the provinces of the Dairi and the Bernetians, which till then had been at variance, were peacefully united and moulded into one people. He was nephew to King Edwin through his sister Acca, and it was fit that so great a predecessor should have in his own family such a one to succeed him in his religion and sovereignty. CHAPTER Seven: HOW THE WEST Saxons RECEIVED THE WORD OF GOD BY THE PREACHING OF BERINUS and of his successors Agilbert and Leutherius. 635-670 to 670 A.D. At that time the West Saxons, formerly called Juwisay, in the reign of Sinegils, had received the faith of Christ, through the preaching of Bishop Arinus, who came into Britain by the counsel of Pope Honorius, having promised in his presence that he would sow the seed of the Holy Faith in the farthest inland regions of the English, where no other teacher had been before him hereupon at the bidding of the pope he received episcopal consecration from asterius bishop of genoa but on his arrival in britain he first came to the nation of the Jewisai, and finding all in that place confirmed pagans he thought it better to preach the word there than to proceed further to seek for other hearers of his preaching now as he was preaching the gospel in the aforesaid province it happened that when the king himself having received instruction as a catechumen was being baptized together with his people Oswald, the most holy and victorious king of the Northumbrians, being present, received him as he came forth from baptism, and by an honorable alliance, most acceptable to God, first adopted as his son, thus born again and dedicated to God, the man whose daughter he was about to receive in marriage. The two kings gave to the bishop the city called Doricic, there to establish his episcopal see, where, having built and consecrated churches, and by his pious labors, called many to the Lord he departed to the lord and was buried in the same city but many years after when Hede was bishop he was translated thence to the city of venta and laid in the church of the blessed apostles peter and paul when the king died his son Coinwalk, succeeded him on the throne but refused to receive the faith and the mysteries of the heavenly kingdom and not long after he lost also the dominion of his earthly kingdom For he put away the sister of Penda, king of the Mercians, whom he had married, and took another wife, whereupon a war ensuing, he was by him deprived of his kingdom, and withdrew to Anna, king of the East Angles, where he lived three years in banishment, and learned and received the true faith. For the king with whom he lived in his banishment was a good man, and happy in a good and saintly offspring, as we shall show hereafter. But when Coenwall was restored to his kingdom, There came into that province out of Ireland a certain bishop called Agilbert, a native of Gaul, but who had then lived a long time in Ireland for the purpose of reading the scriptures. He attached himself to the king, and voluntarily undertook the ministry of preaching. The king, observing his learning and industry, desired him to accept an Episcopal see there and remain as the bishop of his people. Agilbert complied with the request, and presided over that nation as their bishop for many years." At length the king, who understood only the language of the Saxons, weary of his barbarous tongue, privately brought into the province another bishop speaking his own language, by the name of Winnie, who had also been ordained in Gaul, and dividing his province into two dioceses, appointed this last his episcopal see in the city of Venta, by the Saxons called Wintanchester. Agilbert, being highly offended that the king should do this without consulting him, returned into Gaul, and being made bishop of the city of Paris, died there, being old and full of days. Not many years after his departure out of Britain, Winnie was also expelled from his bishopric by the same king, and took refuge with Wulfhere, king of the Mercians, of whom he purchased for money the see of the city of London, and remained bishop thereof till his death. Thus the province of the West Saxons continued no small time without a bishop during which time the aforesaid king of that nation, sustaining repeatedly very great losses in his kingdom from his enemies, at length bethought himself that as he had been before expelled from the throne for his unbelief, he had been restored when he acknowledged the faith of Christ, and he perceived that his kingdom, being deprived of a bishop, was justly deprived also of the divine protection. He therefore sent messengers into Gaul to Agilbert with humble apologies, entreating him to return to the bishopric of his nation. But he excused himself and protested that he could not go, because he was bound to the bishopric of his own city and diocese. Notwithstanding, in order to give him some help in answer to his earnest request, he sent thither in his stead the priest Loitherius, his nephew, to be ordained as his bishop, if he thought fit, saying that he thought him worthy of a bishopric. The king and the people received him honorably and asked Theodore, then Archbishop of Canterbury, to consecrate him as their bishop. He was accordingly consecrated in the same city, and many years diligently governed the whole bishopric of the West Saxons by synodical authority. End of section twelve. Recording by S. T. Macduff.